Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another Get Genius. Today's genius is Rockwell Shaw, who is the CEO of Paziz, which is delivering sleep at the push of a button. I'm sure there are many of us listening, or we know a bunch of people that just can't seem to get to sleep on any given night. I feel like every other person I talk to is claiming to be an insomniac, or they were up all night, they couldn't turn off their brain, and there's just so many things going on in the world with technology, with business, with life in general, that sometimes it is hard to fall asleep. But um, Rockwell has this amazing system that you can get right on your phone that puts you to sleep in literally the push of a button. I mean, it happens so, so quickly, and I have used it myself. What I'm really excited um, to talk about with him today is how, how he put this together. It's really interesting because it was actually... Uh, some material and a process that did exist, but he transformed it into what it is today, which is hugely successful. And uh, people all over the world, celebrities are like, it's changing their lives basically. And I think uh, some of us underestimate, um, maybe not as much as we used to, but the power of a really good night's sleep and not just once, but consistently every night. Rockwell is just Awesome. He's literally helped hundreds of thousands of people from around the world beat their insomnia and get the best sleep of their lives. He's been written about in the New York Times and Wired, Sports Illustrated. Um, he even presented to the Queen of England. And um, the cool thing about Paziz is that it was uh, best summed up by Harry Potter author uh, J.K. Rowling when she tweeted that it's the best thing she's used for sleep by a mile. And I can totally imagine that her brain has a really difficult time stopping if she tries to do it on her own. So imagine just being able to just press a button and have something kind of take over to where you can't help, but go to sleep. Next thing you know, it's morning and you feel refreshed and awesome. Um, Rockwell has a pretty cool background that led him into into pieces and, and creating this awesome process. Um, and another thing that we talk about, which I think is really important is that so many of us have ideas that, um, we want to solve a problem that is near and dear to us, or perhaps it's just something that, that we see and we've become passionate about, or sometimes it's just an idea that we know it's a problem that most people have, and we know what we can do to solve it. Sometimes, when we go to execute on that, we, we might get too broad on it and it becomes a little bit overwhelming. And then we wonder why people aren't getting addicted to it. Like we were hoping they would, um, why is it that they're not using it? And we talk about some pretty important points in terms of going out there and creating something that does solve a big problem and how to do it in a really effective way that makes people so excited about it, so loyal to you, definitely wanting to share it to everyone else that they know because it works so well and really being able to scale something like that. And from that point, then offering new services or products. So there's some really amazing takeaways 
in this interview. Um, I love it because it's so simple and they're really simple takeaways. There's one really cool, um, marketing hack in there to get people to share your product or service. So make sure you listen out for that one. Um, as always links to everything to do with Paziz can be found in our show notes and on our blog post and please enjoy this interview. It's pretty rad. Hey, Rockwell. Hey, Summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you you were the co-founder of Paziz, which is basically delivering sleep at the push of a button. And a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs. So this is going to be like huge for them. How can I get a good night's sleep? <laughs> it's yeah, just absolutely a common theme for, for, for a lot of people. I mean, for much of the world, but especially entrepreneurs, because, you know, our brains are constantly going. So I want to talk about that and, and how you developed this system for being able to sleep so quickly and waking up so refreshed. So I want to talk about that, but then I also want to talk about how you created this and what the process was like for you. And then of course, bringing it to market because a lot of entrepreneurs have ideas similar to this. And it's like, where do I, where do I go now? You know, who, how do I find the team to develop this for me? And then what happens once it is developed? So, um, to start with, let's talk about the problem you know, the real problem, why people can't sleep and why it was so important for you to take this on and come up with a solution. You know, the problem is fascinating to me because uh, just, just for a scale, you know, 60 million people in the U.S., 31% of Europe, globally, almost 2 billion people suffer from insomnia. But the vast majority of these people suffer from the same simple disease. It's just too much thinking like people are literally lying awake at night unable to shut off their brains so what we realized was you know the key is if you can quiet someone's mind you can get them to fall asleep and that's the system that we designed for is that you know most people that are are having trouble sleeping it's not because they have a very serious medical condition which i mean some people do don't get me wrong right but the vast majority of cases, it's just people's minds racing at night. And if you can control that, then you can get them to sleep. And, and so, yeah, how, no. how does it how does it work with your system? Because there's so many people that say, I can't meditate, I can't do, they, it's like, it, it's so hard for them to quiet their mind. Yeah, so so we're not meditation. And, right. uh, you know, that's that's one of the big things is that, this is very, very different from meditation. It's more akin to music. And so when you think about it, I mean, intuitively, we all know music has great power over us, right? When we go to the gym, we listen to music to pump us up. If you ever watch a scary movie on mute, it's not so scary anymore. I mean, we even know that music can put people to sleep. That's why we sing lullabies to our children. But there's something so much more advanced than twinkle, twinkle, little star. And that's what we do. And so we, we actually in-house design and compose and create these things called dreamscapes that are based around the science of psychoacoustics. And psychoacoustics is the branch of psychology that deals with sound perception and its physiological effects. Basically, how can you use sound to manipulate how the body is feeling? And you know, we, we pair these dreamscapes, these psychoacoustic dreamscapes, with scripts 
that are based on clinical sleep hypnosis. And when you, when you combine those two things together, you get something really, really powerful to quiet someone's mind. And all they have to do is listen to it, right? And they don't, you know, unlike meditation, it's not something you have to do. It's something that's just done to you. And that's, that's such the important difference is I, I think that there's so many people trying to get that kind of deep rest, have a quiet mind. And like you said, with meditation, it's something that they have to control themselves in terms of shutting down their brain. And so many people have difficulty with that. So then now take them to sleep and it's like, <laughs> what am I going to do tomorrow? I have all these different things. How am I going to solve uh, this problem? The, and <laughs> the worst, the worst is when people lie in bed thinking about how long they've been lying in bed. Yes. That's, that's the vicious cycle that, I mean, it's, it's so hard for some people to get around. And I think is like the third or fourth most uh, noted reason why people stay up. Is, is just literally the thinking about how long they've been thinking about thinking about being in bed. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so I was um, traveling a few months ago and I had to go to bed early because I needed to get up really early. It was like, I think it was a three hour time difference. And for me, that's, you know, a big deal, especially if I have to be up at 6 a.m. For me, it would have been 3 a.m. back home. And I was like, I need to get to sleep. But because it's later, you feel like I'm not tired yet. Um, brain is definitely going because there's something I was anxious for and nervous for the next day. And especially when you have something like a, a presentation or a talk, something that you have to do the very next day, it's even more hard to get to sleep because you're thinking about everything that can go wrong. And then of course, like you said, you start calculating, okay, if I go to sleep now, I'll get seven hours. Okay. I, I haven't been able to sleep for an hour. Okay. Now I can get six. Okay. Now, okay. I guess I'll be okay on three hours, you know, and you're just like having this battle in your brain. But, um, I remember thinking, I'm just going to see what's out there. And I found your app. And of course, I mean, naturally I'm going to be skeptical because it's yeah, like, how I mean... am I just going to listen to something and it's just going to put me to sleep? Yeah. Right. And, uh, the next thing I knew it was morning. So I, I'm like, Oh wow. And to have that, like, to just have that like on my phone, no matter like anywhere you go, even if it's like, like I've used it on the plane because you have like different versions too. There's like naps and it's not just, you know, full night sleep. And which was amazing because there's times you need like a little power nap, you know, or just you're on the plane and it would be nice to just sleep through the flight. <laughs> yeah, and, no, absolutely. I mean, it's one of the, you know, we have, a lot of our demographics are really hardcore insomniacs for the sleep module. Right. But then we have a whole set of demographics around um, professional athletes, entrepreneurs, business travelers that use the nap module. And they use it between, you know, usually between 20 and 90 minutes, depending on what they're doing it for, um, or, or longer if they're on a plane flight. Um, but they just want sleep now. It could be in the middle of the day. It could be they're on a bus, a train, a plane traveling and they just need sleep and so you know well actually one of the interesting things i came across the other day was united airlines polaris's program they did a they did a study of all their business class travelers to find out what was the most important thing for a business class traveler and number one by far by a huge margin was sleep oh. and it was, it was really interesting i found that yeah. 
and it, it makes sense because it's, it's the worst feeling to feel that deprivation and that exhaustion because you, you really can't function very well without it. Isn't it amazing how, what kind of turnaround in the last 10, 15 years society has about sleep? Yeah. I mean, it used to be such a badge of honor. I get four hours of sleep a night. Yeah, you, you can know, sleep I, when you're dead. Yeah, You can sleep when you're dead. <laughs> and, and now sleep has become this new status symbol that, you know, I've, I get eight hours of sleep. I'm healthy. I'm, uh, I'm taking care of myself. And because of that, I'm more productive and happy. Right. And people, I mean, you know, science and medicine has known this for a long time that sleep is really one of the three pillars to health, right? You have nutrition, you have exercise, and of course you have sleep. Right. And, and if you're missing one of those pillars, it has devastating effects on your health and every aspect of your life. And we don't oftentimes think about it, but when they do the analysis, they see that you know, if you're having trouble sleeping and you're not getting enough rest, you have more automobile accidents, you have more relationship problems, you have obviously higher rates of, of diabetes and cancer and heart failure and, and, and I mean, it just keeps going on. Yep. And, and the same is true, of course, if you don't you know, take care of your exercise or take care of your nutrition, but it's only in the last 10 or 15 years that people have treated sleep that way. And maybe only in really the last couple and perhaps why you're seeing so many of these sleep mattress companies becoming so popular and successful that people are taking their sleep very, very seriously now. Which is so great. What was your, what was your background before Pizzes? So I graduated from Cornell University and worked for a medical software company. I was there, uh, one of their first tech support agents. And uh, I worked my way up in that company from tech support agent to president of the firm over a course of about 10 years. And just being in healthcare for 10 years, you learn a lot and you see tons and tons of opportunity. I mean, there's, there are so many things in healthcare that need to be fixed right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of startups trying to, trying to think about getting into healthcare, but every time they dip their toes in, they get afraid because there's so much, uh, there's, there's so much red tape. There are so many costs associated to it. Um, uh, there's there's so many ways that you could you could end up in trouble if you if you don't hold uh, patient data correctly or if 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 you're not careful with how you're doing business and, and transacting. I mean, there's just there's so many potholes. There's so many things that can trip you up in healthcare, and I think that's probably why you see you know tons and tons of tech tech companies, but not tons and tons of health tech companies. Um, and you know we saw this massive opportunity in sleep. That it was, you know, when you when I say the word sleep, who do you think of? And there's not really a name that dominates sleep in the same way. If I said, you know, social networks or search engines, right? You, know, you would you would have names for that. But but sleep is this huge, untouched market that, frankly, I mean, everybody sleeps, and nearly a quarter to a third of the population suffers from either chronic or sometimes sleep problems. So, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredibly massive industry that's right before our eyes and very few people were touching it. What are, what are people typically doing now to overcome sleep deprivation 
at, you know, outside of something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, let's just be, talk about that. <laughs> you mean, so like outside of ignoring it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's like, there's, there's the other, there's other kinds of quick fixes that are, you know, my opinion, just, you know, awful and people become dependent on them, like the medications and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I just, I just want to kind of talk about and highlight how different this is. Yeah. I mean, so you have, you have prescription medications that about, I mean, estimates put it around 10 to 15 million of Americans routinely use. Um, and that, that seems very, I mean, so you have things like Ambien or Lunesta, uh, you have, uh, Halocyan or Restoril, you have Clonopin or, or even Xanax people sometimes take. Um, I've even heard of people taking Oxycontin for sleep. I mean, there's, there's, there's all of these classes of medications that try to tackle the problem um, chemically from different angles, but it just seems such overkill to take something that's basically too much thinking and try to throw a pill at it. Uh, and of course, all of these things have you know, various side effects, some of them not so great, I mean, depending on how your body reacts to it. You have over-the-counter medications, so things like NyQuil, um, some some people even take Advil PM, Tylenol PM. Some people even take Benadryl because yeah. it has a very, you know, obviously it's a it's an antihistamine. It has it's supposed to uh, fight allergies, but people take it because it has that that sleepy side effect. Yes. Uh, um. So and then I, I think there was even um, there's even now a Nyquil. I think they call it Zquil or Zquil. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that they they stripped. So they realized, the company behind NyQuil realized that so many people were buying it just to put them to sleep that they, they just introduced ZQuil, you know, the, the, the NyQuil version that doesn't have anything to do with coughing or colds, but just puts you to sleep. Right. Um, so all of these things have various short-term, medium-term, long-term side effects that you have to watch out for. Um, beyond medications, there's also various alternatives, right? So that you can do yoga for sleep. Um, some people really do aromatherapy or deep breathing, even meditation. Um, so there's that kind of class of alternative type of activities. And then you have supplements where I think the most popular supplement is melatonin. Right. And, um, you know, that, that pretty much rounds out the general landscape right now of what you're looking at and what, what people are using for sleep. Um, it's not great, frankly. Yeah. So, you know, when we think about it, we think, okay, either you're going to have side effects or you're going to have a lot of work. Like, it's a lot of work to do yoga to go to sleep. You know, when you're tired and all you want to do is sleep, but you can't sleep, you don't really want to bust out the yoga mat and, and try to <laughs> get to sleep. Right. And, and you know, so the, our approach is to really think about it as what's the most frictionless way with the least side effects that is effective to get you to sleep. Right. And it's so simple. There's not a, there's not a whole bunch of things that have to be done or that you have to do. You just really just get to sit there and let it work. Yeah. Your brain. We, we, <laughs> we tried to, I mean, we tried to employ what we call a complex simplicity which is the, the, the experience is really, really simple, right? You download the app, you open it, you push nap or sleep, you set your timer, and then you listen to it, right? 
behind the scenes, there's all sorts of complexity going on um, that the algorithm is taken care of and that you as the user have control of if you so want, right? So you, know, you can change the music and, and voice volumes independently. You can choose which dreamscape if you want to listen to or the system will just randomize it and present you a best guess of what it thinks you're going to like. Um, you know, there's there's so much going on, but you as the user, all have all you have to do is download the app and listen to it and then fall asleep. Yeah, which is so great. And it's so important, I think, as we as we get into this in a bit in in building your your first alpha and actually, you know, bringing this putting this out there. Um, one thing that I have seen when people come up with these cool ideas is that it's overcomplicated with different functionalities and it kind mm. of pushes the the user away and the more simple that you can put it make it is is better and like you said of course there's going to be more complexities on the back end but the user's not going to see that they're just having the experience yeah i think that's really important i see a lot of i see a lot of health tech companies or, or even just apps that are trying to trying to help you with x y or z they try to do everything they try to literally help you with every little part of your life in every single way. And the experience that they've created is incredibly complex. And most people will never get through that user journey or that user experience. And you know the, the, the vast majority of the population doesn't really have an appetite to figure out how to use your app if it's not intuitive. And I think that's a, that's a stumbling block that a lot of app developers and frankly, software developers in general go through. Right. So how long did it take you to create Pizzizz? So funny enough, we had the advantage of a, of a head start in a way. So Pizzizz as a product has been around for close to 20 years, um, but there had never been a company called Pizzizz. So what we did is my co-founder and I started the company Pizzizz and we bought the rights and the assets to the original product from Pizzizz from another company that was failing. And they, you know, they had spent close to 20 years on the product. They really didn't find product market fit. They never really hit scale. They, they never really made a name for themselves. And by the time that we came along, they were pretty much at the ends of their their wits. They didn't know what to do at this point. Um, the product was no longer making any money, generating any revenue. Um, it did have kind of like a core group of of people that were really excited about it and really fanatical about it and loved it and and it helped them sleep. But you know, it was it had it had seen better days, so to speak. Right. And so what we did is we, we set up a new company called Pizzizz, um, acquired those assets, and then engaged those the, the users that had still stuck around for so long. We just did a lot of user interviews, a lot of surveys, a lot of, of engaging with them to understand what was the product that they wished they had seen, right? After so long, after so much time, what was the product that that would become the next generation Pizzizz. And we spent close to a year, frankly, um, engaging users, figuring out what they wanted, figuring out what they were expecting, 
coming in with our own ideas based on our own market research and then developing this new next generation product from scratch. And um, it was it was such a journey, I have to tell you. It was, there's so many aspects of it. I mean, we had to, so we, we set up shop in September of 2015. Okay. And um, had our full team put together by, I would say the beginning of February. So it took us from September to February to um, set up the company, uh, raise fund funding, um, put a development team together, put a, a research team together, put an audio engineering team together. I mean, it was it was a it was quite a process. I mean, luckily it helped that I had spent ten years in medical software, so I knew. I wasn't coming in in completely brand new, right? I had a lot of contacts. I had a good lay of the land. And I think that helped a lot, you know, to to people that have an idea or um, they, they really want to see something through and, and create something brand new. It really, really helps if you have some, in my opinion, if you have some knowledge of the industry that you're walking into. It, it isn't always necessary. I mean, people always like to point to the example of um, the the Uber co-founders. You know, none of them had any knowledge about the taxi business, right? Right. And and I think that's fine. But especially with with healthcare, healthcare is so much different than general tech, and the way that patients behave is so much different than than users. There is a real difference between patients and users. And when when software developers go and they try to tackle the patient experience, they oftentimes miss a lot of human aspects that drive patient behavior. So an example I'll give you is um, you know, people think about medication adherence. So medication mm-hmm. adherence is a big topic in healthcare, which is how do we get patients to actually take the medications that we've prescribed them? And people think that the number one problem with medication adherence is that people forget to take their medication. And that's not true at all. Of the major problems, forgetting to take your medication is way down the list. The number one reason that people don't take meds is because their meds don't make them feel good. Oh, interesting, yeah. And and if you were a software developers, don't inherently usually understand that right off the bat. You know, if you said, hey, make me make me software to solve medication adherence, 9.9 out of 10 times, people would go, oh, I'll make you like a simple timer app that you can remind yourself. But that's not going to solve the problem. Right. Right. And and actually, the, the number two reason that people don't take their meds is because they're too expensive. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so it has it has very little to do. I mean, so, yes. Timing, remembering to take them is a component, but it's way down on the list. Um, and so to putting a team together that really understands the problem, the problem that you're solving, and realizing that you know when you first start out, you may not even really know the problem that you'll solve where you end up, right? But you do need to put a good team together that can understand or begin to understand what the depths of the issues are. That's so critical, and I think it's such a fantastic point. It's so interesting that you, that this 
system and you you were able to acquire all of this the process the materials all of this but the, it sounds like the main difference was is who are we actually building this for what exactly do they want and how can we how can we give them what they want how can we understand them and <laughs> well i mean it all, it all it all sums up to know your customers right like know the people that you're delivering the product to yes know them at a really really deep level one of the things that we were surprised by so we sent out surveys and one of the questions we asked was what was going on in your life that drove you to use or want something like Pizzizz? And we did a frequency analysis of the responses. And of the top five responses, I I would almost guess that nobody would, would figure this out off the bat. But of the top five things that came up, the word death was at the top five. Wow. And when we, looked, when we looked at the answers from the users that responded, they said that someone, their, their, their partner, their spouse, their brother, their sister, their mother, their father, somebody close to them had recently died and they couldn't fall asleep anymore. And I, I can't tell you the feeling I had when I read the user response from the woman who her partner of 40 years passed away. And she said that the, the man's voice in Paziz gave her such a soothing, comforting feeling at night because oh, wow. her husband was gone. And I, I, almost, I almost started tearing up. Yeah. I, I just, you read some of these responses of, of the people. And, you know, I get, I get messages from users that say, you know, I have PTSD that causes me not to sleep at night. I'm on the, I was on the brink of suicide and I found your product and wow. you put me to sleep and I can't thank you enough. Wow. And you, when you see messages like that, you realize how many, how much depth there is to this problem, right? It's not, it's not just things like, you know, oh, you know, I have a big presentation tomorrow. It's my husband died or I suffer from PTSD, or, you know, uh, my 13-year-old my keeps getting bullied at school and she can't fall asleep until I gave her Paziz and now she sleeps like a baby. And I just, I mean, you just read it and you, you realize how much depth there is to life. Yes. There's so many scenarios that you could run into in life that affect your sleep and your well-being. And you don't, you, it's almost impossible to design for those scenarios just by thinking them up, just by like sitting at your desk and dreaming what are the potential brand, like what are the personas that my users are, right? Forget about your personas. Go talk to them. Exactly. Engage with them. You learn so much and it's so funny, like you said, and I, I think this happens with you know, all entrepreneurs, especially when first developing a product or service is knowing in general what kind of problem you're trying to solve. But then when you actually get that feedback from your market and your users, you start to really hone in and focus on, okay, this is what they really, really want. And this is, this is what we're solving for them. And it's kind of takes it to that whole other level. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was really interesting when, when we 
first started redesigning the product and we're talking to users and they were talking about, you know, what, what are the things that they didn't like about the legacy product of Paziz? Because Paziz was a hardware device. It was desktop software. They were first generation mobile apps before we came along mm-hmm. and redesigned them. Um, you know, one of the things they said was, oh my God, there are bells in the middle of Paziz. So I'll, there's like 30 or 40 minutes in, in classic Paziz, there were these bells that would go off and people would wake up because they thought it was an alarm. Oh. And for literally almost 20 years, there was there were bells in the middle of the Paziz sequence and the original developers, the original designers of Paziz never listen to customer feedback like a very simple piece of customer feedback that hey you know don't put chirping birds and bells in the middle of a sequence right Right. that wakes people up and and it's just even they missed after years and years and years missed very simple details that if all they had done was just talk to users and see how they were they were feeling and reacting to the product would have been pretty easy yeah (laughs) to to fix (laughs) Right. But I mean, those are those are things that oftentimes as entrepreneurs, when we're running around, we're getting tons and tons of things taken care of. We miss the small details that that lead to our success. Like if somebody is in, uses Paziz and they wake up in the middle of the night because of a bell chiming, they're most likely never going to try Paziz again. Oh, You've totally. now lost them. Right. right. And and that, you know, f- for years they totally missed it. And as entrepreneurs, we totally miss small things all the time that end up dropping customers, losing customers, less less user engagement. But it's right in front of our eyes. And all if all we did was talk to our users, we'd see that. Absolutely. I, I think that's so important. I love that we're making this point. Um, what, how, what was your experience like bringing it to market? How did, how did you what was your plan, like your strategy, and then how did it grow so quickly? What do you attribute that to? One of the things is that, you know, we we emphasized the the user journey and the user experience quite a bit in, in thinking about how to design the products, but also how to design customer acquisition and bringing more users in. So there's this thing called viral coefficient, right? So for every one user that comes, how many more users come along with them? And it's usually because of referrals that that user brings or some kind of mechanism that you get them to bring in more traffic. And there are a lot of tricks to the trade there. But certainly um, to surround that, it really helps to have good PR and good SEO and we have those things in spades. So we spent a lot of time um, building our SEO strategy. We spent a lot of time building our PR strategy and it paid off in leaps and bounds. You know, we've been written about in the New York Times, Wired, Sports Illustrated, Newsweek. I mean, you name the publication, we've had Pizzizz featured in it and not because we paid anything but because they just featured us organically. And um, we've also had some great fortune in celebrity endorsements that were completely unpaid. You know, J.K. Rowling said it was the best thing that she's used for sleep 
by a mile. <laughs> and, you know, you can't buy that. Right. right? Um, Roy Hibbert, an NBA basketball player, said it cured his Ambien addiction. Um, Ali Raisman, who is the captain of the women's gymnastics team and gold medalist in, in Rio, she uses Pizzizz not for the sleeping function, but for the napping function. She takes Pizzizz naps in between her training sessions in the day. Um, and so we have a lot of these people that have either mentioned Pizzizz or organically endorsed it or liked it. And that has helped. But I think people overemphasize celebrity endorsements. Um, they can only go so far. Right. You know, they're short-lived too. The, the, yeah, they're short-lived. Like the half-life of J.K. Rowling's tweet, you know, is pretty short. Yeah. Right. Um, but it does help build the credibility case that, oh, you know, these people use it and they like it and it really works for them. I should try it too. Um, so that, that has all helped. But at the end of the day, the thing that will help your product grow the most is actually having an amazing product <laughs> yes. and, and, and making sure that in those moments that somebody feels that your product is amazing and really works, they're able to share it and they're able to, to kind of give the gift of your product to other people. And we have been really, uh, really careful in designing those experiences, but designing them thoughtfully. Right. Um, so I'll give you an example. You know, most app developers, they try to push this, this like share function in your face. Like, oh, you like our app? Share our app. Please share your friend with your friends. And that kind of works sometimes, but most people really find that quite annoying. Yeah. Like you're, 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 you're breaking the awesome user experience with asking them to do something that's disjointed from, from the experience you were giving them, right? Right. So one of the things that we did was at the end of a nap or the end of a sleep, on the end session screen, you see a quote. And usually it's something motivating, something uplifting, something that you would want to wake up to. And we give you the ability to share that quote. And that quote, when it's shared, has the quote, has the author who says it, and then at the end of it, just has an app as is, which on Twitter or Facebook will link us and our page. And it's a really simple but thoughtful way of including a share mechanism for the user. Genius. And, I love it. And it it's not, you know, it, it doesn't have to be complicated. Right. Right. But it has to be thoughtful. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, you want people to share because they're so excited because you've given them something that's so valuable that they can't help but want to share it. Like you said, if you're, if they're being like, you know, forced into it or just nudged super hard, it's like, Ooh, it's, it's a turnoff. But to do something like that, that's like, Oh, because by, especially with a quote, I mean, people are so likely to share quotes because usually that quote will mean something to them and they automatically want to share that out for engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not all up in their face like, hey, there's this quote, please share it with your friends. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous, but that's what some people do. Yep. But those, those types of mechanisms don't usually work very well. 
I would assume that you're making updates consistently or how often are you making updates? Because, you know, with an app, it's not just kind of, you know, set it and forget it. I'm sure with your, with the feedback and user experience, there's always going to be something new and, you know, new to, to update it and make it even more powerful. Yeah. So we're, we're updating Pizzizz all the time. Um, right now we've committed to once a month based upon the, the testing cycle and, um, iteration. We push app updates once a month with, um, new features and new content. So the dreamscapes that we talk about, we, we, we build a new dreamscape every month and we send it out to the users beforehand so that they can try it out, make sure it works for them, give us comments and feedback. We can then finalize the, the mastered dreamscape and then put it into the app. Um, but the, the app updates are the bane of my existence right now for a couple, <laughs> a couple of reasons. The, and the biggest is, and most people don't realize this, when you submit an app update on iOS, it wipes your current version reviews. Does so, it really? Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. It, okay. It, it totally wipes your reviews. So there's something called current version reviews, which is the reviews that you see on the App Store, both in the search results and on the App Store page. And then there's something called um, all versions, which is all the ratings across all versions of your app which is hidden. You got to click, usually you have to click one or two buttons to actually see what that score is. Okay. And the current version score has such a huge weighting on where you sit in the app store and where you, where, uh, the believability and social credibility that somebody coming to your app store page has about the app. You know, if you look at an app that has 850 four and a half star reviews, yeah, that is usually more credible than something that has two four and a half star reviews. Right. Right. And, but what's funny, and this is, this is the, it's kind of completely backwards and I can't wait till they do something about this, but the person that actually has two reviews recently, uh, probably recently updated. Right. And so they are the ones that are, are consistently pushing updates to their, to their platform the person that has 850 reviews, that app has probably not been updated in nine months or a year, yeah. or a year after, however long. And, and you know, that developer isn't paying as much attention. And so there's this kind of uh, backwards incentive mechanism that there's an incentive to leave your app there and let it garner reviews. Now, luckily, with Pizzizz, we don't usually have too much of a problem because so many users love it so fanatically that they will go and review it after every version update. And so usually we'll have 20 or 50 or 100 reviews on there in not too, not too, too much time. But it still, it still impacts you know, your app store optimization and it's incredibly frustrating. Well, you know, it's so funny because of course now I'm, I'm listening to you and um, normally when I'm doing a podcast, I don't look at my phone, but I was like, I just have to pull up Facebook on the app store just to see how many reviews it has because <laughs> obviously they're updating all the time. And we know yeah. that pretty much everyone on the planet, <laughs> even in different countries, like, right, is using Facebook and there's only... 2,264 reviews, which probably happens, you know, in the first 30 seconds of the update, but <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that that's interesting. And I've never, I never realized that 
that's yeah and it says so now here's one thing though that i did see and i don't know if this if you know anything about this but when you do go to reviews it will say ratings and reviews current version and then it has yeah all versions Mm-hmm. So, so you got you have to click on that. But to you get have to click on it to get yeah. that. Yeah. Most so now, people won't do that. Which has so most, like three million, you know, for Facebook, of course. So yeah, that's so interesting. I didn't know, so I'm just kind of looking at that now. Wow. So yeah, that it, that would that is frustrating, especially when you like work so hard and you're like, we have five stars across the board, you know. <laughs> I mean, the best advice I give, the best advice I can give to entrepreneurs is that, you know, know your customer. Yeah. And then know your acquisition channels. Right. Right. If you start with those two things, most people start with the product. Right. And, and I think that is one of the biggest mistakes. They make products and then they go try to find a market. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure your audience has heard this a million times and this advice a million times. But no matter how many times this advice is given, it doesn't seem to curb what actually happens in the real world because people just continue to make products yeah. And then go find markets. But think about your customers and think about how you're going to get get to them. And the product gets a lot clearer after you get those two mechanisms down. Yeah. Because even if you know your customers really well and you build an amazing product, well, that's great. But how are you going to get in front of enough eyeballs to make it scale? And I think, you know, you've you've proven that with your acquisition and then turning Paziz into what it is today. You know, here's something that was a great, and I think we've seen that a lot. A lot of us have seen that where there's a great product, but a, they didn't listen to their user and to their market and what they really want. And then B, they didn't really, they don't adapt to that. And so it's, they kind of just get focused on the product only and what they think it should be rather than really listening to them and turn it into something that that they would want and sometimes I think people are so attached to the one way that it can work and kind of telling people no this is your problem and this is how we're going to solve it (laughs) instead of going oh wow you know we, we were talking about this and we're still addressing the same problem but really specifically this is what they're looking for you know it's the same with that great example with with the medicine I mean it's not that people are forgetting. It's like, you know, they no. don't like the way it makes them feel. Every time I take it, I get gas or I'm too tired yeah. or I'm grumpy, you know, whatever it is. And that's so true. It's like, yeah. Well, this is this is awesome. There's so many, so many fabulous takeaways from this interview. And I'm just like super excited because you kind of, you kind of like it, in, encompass all of these different and very simple um, strategies that we so hardcore believe in, in terms of knowing who you're talking to and, and of course, keeping things simple and really, really, really thinking about your user experience. And then obviously if nobody's seeing it and you're not marketing it correctly, then there's just no way it's going to scale no matter how awesome it is. So I think those are all really important points to to walk away with as much as we're all in love with, you know, our services and products, it's really important to think about those things. Absolutely. hundred percent. So Rockwell, where can people find, um, more about you? And of course, Paziz. Sure. So go on our website, Paziz.com. That's P Z I Z Z.com. P Z I Z Z. You can go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Paziz. Twitter account at Paziz. 
Um, we also have a blog that we put lots of interesting content, including Dreamscapes, Dreamscape prototypes, uh, blog.paziz.com. Oh, nice. And we're actually, our next module that we're building is the focus module. It's music for work, music for productivity. So oh. music to help you get in the zone. And we put our first two prototypes up on our SoundCloud account. So if you go to blog.paziz.com, you can check out those focus prototypes and it's get, they're getting a lot of rave reviews on SoundCloud. So I'm, I'm excited to put that in the app. And listeners, we will definitely have links to all of these. That's awesome about the focus one. I'm definitely getting on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, it, it was, it was, you know, I, I really believe in, in like narrow focus as an entrepreneur and sleep. It was definitely our focus, but our, our users just, it was the number one thing that they were asking for was, you know, thank you so much. You helped me get to sleep, but now I need you to help me do work. And, you know, we thought about it and we said, yeah, I mean, it would make sense. We could engage them in the daytime through focus and through nap and nighttime through sleep. So we'll probably keep it there in terms of modules for the moment, um, sleep, nap and focus. But we're really excited for the focus module. And, and another great point, again, I mean, you guys mastered one thing, and then once you gained that loyalty and trust from your audience, now it's like, okay, we're listening to you, now we're going to put this out, and they've already have your trust, they already know you're going to deliver, and it's going to be awesome, so, as opposed to coming out with, you know, a whole library of different things, and it's going to make you faster, <laughs> this is going to give you energy, this is it, can be overwhelming, so to focus on that one, get people in love with that, then it's like, they're waiting for you to put out you know, the next, the next best thing for another area of their life. So that's, you, you will awesome. never fail being world-class at one thing. That, never. Exactly. You'll it's never so fail true. being world-class at one thing. You will almost always fail being average at a bunch of things. Exactly. Exactly. So true. Well, thank you so much, Rockwell. This is awesome. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm definitely going to be using the focus and I will continue with my pizzas. And, uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you again. Thank you, Summer. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. You're home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests. 